Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Trumbull letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Trumbull, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Steve. How's it going, Steve? Not too bad. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. A little hungover from Mexican restaurants. Uh, any, that's, any, that's how you do it. Anytime you're drinking tequila, you're like, the next day is going to be a, on a bit of a curve. It's, it's not going to be a yeah. day. So. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a rough, foggy day, for sure. Yeah. Uh, no Taylor for these two episodes. Uh, she says she's sick, but really, I think she just didn't want to talk about these movies. <laughs> I mean, can you blame her? No, no, At a so. certain a certain point, like I, I mean, there is a certain level of enjoyment to both films, but I mean, yeah, it's not in the enjoyment doesn't lack doesn't come from the quality of the film. I will say. These are both movies that I uh, haven't seen in a long time. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe, you know, it's interesting because I've seen these movies floated around on like the internet of being like underrated mm-hmm. sequels. And I'm like, okay, I personally find both of these movies to be underwhelming, but yep. I was like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's watch them and see. And uh, I walk away and I'm like, no. My opinion still yeah. stands, um, but it was good to reevaluate them. I think. I mean, you know, maybe I am wrong, but I, I I don't think I'm wrong, and I think you're kind of in agreement with me. Like both of these movies mm-hmm. are just pale imitations of their originals, and just nothing as inspiring mm-hmm. as the original films are. So, yeah, exactly. I would totally agree with that, and. Uh... Yeah, and do you know what's really funny about both these movies um, is they're both shot by the same DOP. That's funny. <laughs> so <laughs> random. I mean, you can kind of see they both kind of have a little bit of that like soft '90s lighting going on. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except one's far sleazier than the other. Well, the other one doesn't <laughs> show its sleeves until the end. Yeah. But uh, one of them's sleazy, like from the get-go. Mm-hmm. But the first movie we're talking about is Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Uh, also mm-hmm. known as the movie where they turn uh, Pinhead and the Cenobites into villains. Where, if, yeah. you, if you look at the first two movies, they're kind of more just like forces of nature. They're not really antagonistic. They're not really protagonists either. They're just sort of neutral. And this movie kind mm-hmm. of sets them more as like, no, they, they're the villains. Because... I think whoever was making these movies was like, well, I can't have the evil stepmom for, for another movie. Um, mm-hmm. But depending on who you ask, it was probably not the right decision to make Pinhead and the Xenobites villains. And this this is the creation largely of the Cenobites army, right? Yeah. For some of our main staple ones. And the, just even the lore of it doesn't even make that much sense. No, like... You can see that they try to explain why Pinhead goes bad. This is something I forgot about watching this. I was like, oh yeah, they do try to like 
put in an in-universe explanation for why he becomes a villain. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't make... It doesn't... Whatever. It, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense. I mean, sure, it's nice that you explain why you make him a villain, but it still is kind of yeah. stupid. But when I was rewatching this, I was like, you can definitely tell this is the most 90s movie possible because all the Cenobites look like they were, like, designed by, like, a teenager in the 90s. Like, this works. Uh, yeah. CDs out of its head, like... Oh my god! Like Doc, he has got a video camera in his head, and it, and any and any like he blow he can blow stuff up, and then I don't know impales people with it. Like it's it's just so wildly inconsistent. And the when you see him before, he hasn't given himself to Pinhead. He had his fucking head cut off. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. There's just certain things in the in this movie. It just. It's just convenience for convenience sake. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it comes from um, Clive Barker having to rein in Anthony um, Hickok a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, who, who is the director of this one. Um, and, and his background is Waxworks, the Waxworks movies, which are like kind of regarded in almost that house category where they're like a bit of comedy horror. And... Yeah. Uh, Clive Barker didn't like any of his work heading into it, so he was really kind of dicey on him directing the film. So Hickox was like basically had to like guarantee that he was going to take a serious tone to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was based on a, a, a loose screenplay that had been written by Tony Randall, who had done um, Hellbound, yeah, uh, previously. So this was like the treatment of where they wanted to go next, but. I mean, it's ultimately Clive Barker leaning further into the sleaze. Like, I mean, to introduce um, uh, Monroe's character right away as the, the the film opens, and he's like this cowboy boot wearing piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, with with indescribable income. Yep. Like, did they ever say why he is able to just kind of like? freely buy this for whatever amount of money that the guy's gonna ask like he it's like almost like all of his shit is no matter yeah like, it doesn't seem like they really explain where he gets his money from he just got has what money. does he do <laughs> like i don't even know what he does he's the secret trump brother <laughs> i guess so i guess so and like uh, i mean I, the the goofiness of the statue yeah. alone because well, i mean it is a lot better than this than the, the monolith that we see in in hellbound because isn't that just one just like a big slab with just like skin parts just stapled to it like if i remember it correctly yeah i mean as a package i enjoy hellbound i think hellbound for me might be my favorite in the franchise but like I, even though there's parts of that movie that definitely have some shady effects, I still would take anything in that movie over this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even Pinhead looks really fucking weird in this movie. He looks kind yeah. of like blue-gray when he finally like they finally get him out. And it's because they completely changed how to do his makeup. And it ended up being for the worst because it was really, really uncomfortable on Doug Bradley the whole time. It was like... And they were trying to cut corners, I think, for cost. And I think it does come through. There are some good gore effects in this movie. Uh, It definitely wouldn't be the first sacrifice. That one really makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, The girl from the club, especially when her skin gets ripped off, is just, like, hilarious. It's so goofy. And it's not scary. No. 
Uh, Even the club scene. The club scenes should be like balls to the wall crazy. And there is some good stuff in it, but like there's some stuff that the effects just don't even make sense. Like the the guy that has his mouth all hooked up and he's hanging from like that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Uh, um and of course the creating creation of a lot of the cinnabites and everything, especially <laughs> against the wall, this the what's her name with the fucking getting the the throat kind of ripped open so that she's got like a neck vagina. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. I There's so much of this. It's just ridiculous. And I keep forgetting that last year we got a new Hellraiser. That's how forgettable mm-hmm. that movie was to me. <laughs> That's too bad too, because I liked I, I wanted Jamie Clayton to kind of succeed with this role. And I don't think she was the bad part of the both the movie. It's just No. It was honestly just a very forgettable movie. Like I don't know. I still think it's better than a lot of the sequels in the franchise. Again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one and two are still the pinnacle for me. But I would say, like, for me at least, Hellraiser 2022 was, like, probably a third in the franchise for me. Yeah, yeah, I would say that, too. Yeah. Um, but what is Hellraiser 3 even about? Well, an investigative reporter <laughs> must send the newly unbound Pinhead and his legions back to hell. Um. Yeah, pretty pretty simple premise. You can definitely tell that this came after, like, the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Streets of the World because they definitely simplify the plot a little bit and turn this mm-hmm. more to, like, a, a typical slasher, which, honestly, like, I yep. know, you know, I'm a big fan of slashers, uh, and a lot of people are. I don't... This movie didn't need to be a slasher. I mean... No. Y- you don't need to water down this franchise to being a... Uh, a slasher i it, it works mm-hmm. so well as being this like cerebral gory out of this world thing that it was in the first two movies so mm-hmm. yeah do you think that's the dimension purchase of of the properties that that kind of derailed because there were i think there were new world releases the first two movies right yeah, I mean, that's got to be a part of it. I also think, too, like, honestly, if you're a studio back in that time, looking at all those movies making money, you're probably like, uh, how do we get in on that? I mean, that goes for, like, any studio. Like, honestly, every studio nowadays is, like, especially with, like, for just using, like, a recent example, like, the Mario movie, everyone's like, well, what video game properties do we have that we can make movies of? So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it's not overly uncommon, but... Yeah, I think it's like definitely there's cases where it's like no, you should have just kept this as is. The question now is: Do we move? Do we eventually? Do we have? Do we schedule Bloodline now? Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, I honest besides besides the 2022 one, which which would be okay to bring to the show at some point. Yeah. I think Bloodline would be the last of the ones that I actually care about yeah. maybe with an outside chance being inferno just because it was directed by scott derrickson i would put bloodline and uh this movie in my top five of the franchise like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. still in the better half of the franchise but it's not like again two is my favorite of the franchise and then one kind of just closely behind it and I only really like two more just because I feel like the visuals and the spectacle of it are way more impressive than uh, the mm-hmm. first movie. But but the simplicity of, like, you can unleash me by just sacrificing things to me is just so easy. And it feels so beneath yeah. Clive Barker as a writer. But now that you say that, I think we should we should do, like, a double pairing of Bloodlines in 2022. I think that would be yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, just to finish it off too. Yeah, and then we'll leave it at that. We're not talking. Yeah, we're done. We're <laughs> done. We're not going more. to that. We're not going to Hell World or any of the fucking no. weird, weird ones that come after it. Like, when we yeah, start talking yeah, about I, Inferno, that's when you know this podcast has gone off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, the, the only th- like I said, the only draw to doing Inferno is it's Scott Derrickson, yeah. and I do have a healthy respect for Scott Derrickson's work. Yeah. Um, but I know even he's not the biggest um, championer of this of that movie, yeah. as far as I remember. I, so I, I think I think Dimension really fucked with that movie after in post production, as far as I remember. I remember it feeling very much like a Christmas movie in the sense that like Pinhead shows people like the impact of or like no, oh. <laughs> just... <laughs> what a random, just yeah. a random. It's like, why does this even exist in this movie? But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, when was the first time we watched this movie? Uh, probably on my first run through of the Hellraiser movies some point in the 90s. Um, I, I definitely felt the steam kind of leaving out even then. Um, and I, I mean, it might've been at a time where the sleaze horror was more interesting to me because of films like Wishmaster, which we've already, already covered on this show. And just like yeah. certain, like, like, you know, that, that nineties direct to video feel mm-hmm. that had been going on in a long time. And it was, you know, it was kind of through line in action movies and sci-fi as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, this movie has a, just, just, it just feels oily yeah and and that feeling i felt like that when i first watched the movie and it's still a that didn't go away i still felt like that a lot in this movie yeah i think i watched it like it was playing on tv which is always like the worst way to watch a horror movie Mm -hmm. it's like all the kills get like neutered and just like nothing is overly entertaining that's kind of why, like, for the longest time, I never really watched this. I, because, I mean, to be honest, I, it was, it's hard to know when you're watching on TV what's censored as, like, part of the movie to begin with and what's just censored because they're putting it on TV. So I kind of held off on rewatching it, but then, yeah, I want to say, like, oddly enough, I was getting very excited for Hellraiser Revelations, which has to be the bottom of the franchise. Like, there's nothing worse than Revelations, because I think even dimension was like we just have to make this so the rights don't go back to clive barker um mm-hmm. and yeah so i rewatched it in preparation for revelations and yeah i was like uh, okay i guess like sure there's some interesting kills and i mean there is a part of me that's kind of like okay it's kind of cool that there's a centibite shooting cds on of himself and decapitating people but yeah it's like it's all just superficial nonsense. It's not yep. really as interesting as like anything in the first two Hellraiser movies. So, um, and then yeah, I pretty much haven't really watched it since. So it was like my first <laughs> time watching this movie since like 2011, and then I'm like, yeah, still I'm fine with this not really being a big thing. So, I really uh, found myself thinking about Nightbreed though when when uh, when the the cine- when the Cinnabite kind of roster stoned out i'm like oh this feels so nightbreed but like shittier <laughs> i kept thinking i'm like can i just stop this and put on hellraiser 2 is that <laughs> it make this episode really weird if you did that 
Yeah, right. Like, hey guys, I didn't watch the movie we're supposed to watch. Let's just re, let's just do a redux of Hellraiser Two: Hellbound. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fine, right? Uh, (laughs) No, I was like, no, I'm gonna stick through this. I did actually watch Hellraiser Two after this because I was like, yeah, but I didn't like. I I really didn't like the um, pulling pins out of his head with like little wormy things from his brain. That was. Yeah, I, was, I just what what was the point of that it was just to be gross there's so many things in this movie are, that are just the only reason for them is just to be gross and also too like i was under the impression when i'm watching hellraiser 2 that he just had those things like just hammered into his head what's with the worms that doesn't make any yeah, sense that doesn't make any sense that's a new, new lore like and, and we're not gonna even address it like I, I do like the 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 character background work for for Elliot becoming Pinhead. Like I think that's interesting on it on a surface level. Um, and honestly, I mean, tipping the hat to the best performance, uh, Doug Bradley has such an interesting dual performance in this film because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just like leaning into some stuff and and then not being and just kind of being shitty about the other stuff is like yeah <laughs> for sure i was actually like i was like it can't be doug bradley there's got to be somebody in this movie that's doing a decent job that's like a human actor it's like no sorry doug bradley still and then even then this is not his best pinhead performance by a long shot but no no he's the best thing in this movie well, and he's relegated to being kind of stuck in a statue for like the first couple acts, right? It's only at the yeah. end, the end of the second act, where he's actually fully emerged from it. Yeah. Otherwise, he's just kind of stuck there, going, Rawr! "He's just like a talking head." Yeah. Which I mean, apparently, was really fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so that whole contraption, I could see it for sure because he's so restricted. He's just he's basically a Muppet head. Yeah. For the first bit of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's so goofy looking. Like, I, I just like again the. It's almost like they mashed one and two together and took out the elements that they wanted to, and then like ninety eyes nineties. Kind of filtered it. Yeah, it's like the writer went home and he's like, goes to his teenage son like, "Hey kid, what's what's cool these Let's days?" Punch this he's up. Like, he's like, "Well, cameras and CDs." He's like, "Cool." Goes, yeah, there's a well, that is a camera. <laughs> well, it makes even the inclusion of Christy like weird yeah. because they have adjusted so many things. Yeah, that was a little like, oh, you didn't, mm-hmm. really, you didn't, you didn't need that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and I think this is the last one that kind of sticks to the original formula because then everything is kind of out the window afterwards. Is this the last movie that she appears in? Mm, I think it is. And it's so quick. It's yeah. such a quick... Yeah, so I, I, I think it might be the the last one. Oh, apparently she uh-huh. had a supporting role in Hell, Hellraiser 6, Hellseeker. According to her. <laughs> but, you know... Well, if you even they got to, me on that one. <laughs> if, you, if you get around to watching that, like, good on you, because that's not worth it. But no, no, just just stick to one and two and, you know, maybe bloodlines in 2022. Oh, Which... weird. Dean Winters is in that one, too. <laughs> Vancouver, funny enough. Who who to thunk that? Vancouver. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Now I kind of want to watch it and just be like, hmm. Yeah. I don't think I ever watched this one. I mean, it's got I like think a... Inferno might have been the last one that I paid attention to, to be honest. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, t- honestly, if you're watching most of these sequels that came out, like, after 3, good on you. I don't have that experience. But, but come, come on, it was directed by Rick Boda, who is known as the cinematographer on Barbed Wire. That's... <laughs> That's a thing. Come on. Yeah. The memorable Barbed Wire. Yeah. Which I snuck into in theaters in 1996. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no way I wasn't seeing the Pamela Anderson movie at at uh, 15 years old. I mean, yeah, your parents were probably going <laughs> to let you in on that one, right? So. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was a lost art <laughs> now because nowadays every, all the seats are assigned and you can't. It's, it's not impossible yeah. to get away with it now, but it's a lot harder. Whereas, like, yeah, I definitely. Uh, there was like some Jennifer Lopez movie that came out like the early 2000s that like was like really controversial. There was like nudity and other stuff. And I went and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to watch whatever kids movies out. And then I'm like, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez movie, which I totally forget about because it was like, eh, clearly it wasn't memorable. So yeah, didn't really make it. No, I think it was cube or something like that Maybe the cell no the, the cell. cell actually the cell that movie rocks actually tarsum singh is visually a very interesting filmmaker oh it's on crave so i could rewatch it yeah it's it's dope vincent d'onofrio is a serial killer that's in a coma and she has to go into his mind to find out the whereabouts of his victims and stuff. It's it's actually a pretty damn cool movie there's a really gnarly scene with uh, vince vaughn who plays her partner in it okay yeah, I, I would recommend rewatching it. If you don't remember it, I recommend rewatching it. I really like the cell. I actually just remember going to see it just because, yeah, like I snuck in and yeah, I I was very young at the time and I just remember no. very unimpressed. I was like, uh. but I think well, I'm... with the scope of, of how we look at movies and everything and how that's evolved, I think your opinion might change on it. Actually, I should rewatch it. Yeah, I I would recommend it. Yeah, it. Uh... Yeah, I just remember it being very I, visually interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, that and uh, Tarsum's other movie, The Fall, um, are like his best in his career. Nice. Yeah. Um. All right, we have a few emails. Uh, Kyle says Hellraiser three broke one rule: making Pinhead evil. The Xenobites aren't evil; they're neutral and just doing their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's again we've said it before. It's like they lost sight of what this this series is supposed to be about, which is sad because Clive Barker was like a major producer on this film. So it's like he lost sight of his own original story that he had put in uh, the Books of Blood. And I think um, you could have a movie where the Cenobites are slightly more antagonistic, but you'd have to have a character who is somebody that they would be more antagonistic towards it doesn't really work when you have a character that's a very altruistic good person because it's almost like why would the this neutral force be antagonistic towards him like you almost need like an anti-hero or like bad person as your lead just to like justify why they would be the way that they are yeah i don't know yeah because joey's just got dead daddy issues yeah you know there's nothing evil about about joey Mm-hmm. So there's no reason that she'd want to um, 
kind of sign over her life to to Pinhead. It's even it's even iffy with Terry. Yeah. Like the, the that whole thing, and then especially when she becomes the Cenobite, and this is like, why? Mm-hmm. What reason? What reason that we we were given the exposition of Terry that she would be that that's what she wanted? Yeah. It's kind of just ridiculous. It is. Um, Dennis says no one who has seen the later sequels can say the third is the worst. I mean, this is no, no, no. Yeah, no, we won't say that. We we won't. We we, and we haven't been saying that. We we've been giving it as due for sure. Um, like we're not saying this is a good movie. I I don't think it's a good movie, but it's not the worst of of the Hellraiser movies. That these movies have been put to hell. Like honestly, like like it it just it declines. Yeah. Um. I mean, the saving grace is that there's a 2022 film that is that might be passable to people who haven't seen the original films it's not even it's it's like a not terrible movie it's just very forgettable mm-hmm. like there was nothing in that yeah. movie that i like walked away with like being like wow and i don't know it didn't really get a theatrical release and i do wonder if like the, the theatrical release would have helped it like you know you're in mm-hmm. the theaters you're more kind of glued to the screen but i don't know uh it's well, what it is but one thing's still, in my opinion, um, still, uh, still a, a fact, and I, I think David Bruckner still fucking rules. Yeah. Um, it's just Hellraiser is one of like like dealing maybe dealing with another IP, um, kind of dulled his knife a little bit. But I mean, the guy made Nighthouse and The Ritual, so he still fucking rules, in my my opinion. Yeah, and I still think Hellraiser- and the signal. Yeah, and Hellraiser 2022 is still worth checking out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still a really good movie. It's just, yeah, I, I don't think anything in that movie truly sticks with you the same way the other movies do. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then Darren says, 10 out of 10 for that dude having super oily sweat sex while smoking a butt the whole time. Yeah, that was fucking weird. And... Um, the funny thing, uh, according to trivia, the, the, the first sacrifice in this, I think it was like Sophie or something. I think that's her name or something. Mm-hmm. Um, when they got to the set, she realized that she didn't want to do the nudity that she had signed up for. Oh, so their way around it was him holding her breasts the whole time. And it's like, you weren't, you didn't want to put them on camera, but you're all right, all right with this dude just holding your boobs. Check that out. It's just. It's, it's just it's like you got to choose one of these ones you're either going to be exposing yourself to a whole world or this guy's gonna grab your boobs for this whole shooting this whole scene i mean he was a, like a relatively attractive enough guy i'm sure she probably wasn't like too overly opposed you mean uh b-grade vanilla iced yeah i think most actors in the early 90s they were like how vanilla iced do you look guys we need you. Uh, let's hire you. You look super vanilla eyes. Let's do this. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Best line in this movie. I mean, the lines in this movie are not overly memorable compared to like a lot of the other movies. But Pinhead had some good ones. Um. Trying to remember like some of my favorites, but um. I don't know. Probably would be. 
he says there's like a line where he says like why resist you love this as much as i after all you made me there is a world out there waiting to yield to us so much flesh so many pleasures it's just like typical pinhead line you know nothing too nothing too uh crazy exciting but still he does have some of the more memorable lines in this movie yeah oh fuck there's uh, there's just some, uh, most of the lines I like in this one are, are are going to be pinhead lines. Yeah. Um, just just because um, Bradley is just like very special. Yeah. Um, in in his deliveries, like there there's no there's there's nobody like him when it comes to any of these horror villains. Yeah. Um. But even there's some really good lines as, as Elliot as well in that kind of that backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, but I mean, if it's a pin headline, you gotta, there's, you gotta be, there's no good Monroe. There's no evil. There is only flesh. Yeah. Another good one. Yeah. yeah there, I mean, pinhead, like any of the, the, those deep ones to pinhead's core, like this is my body. This is my blood. Happy are they who come to my supper. There's also like, <laughs> the Piston head, Cenobite says, relax, baby. This is better than sex. Oh, yeah. And the piston head shit with fucking Monroe. Uh, like, that that's his death? It's like, where did that come from? Yeah, it didn't really tie into his character as much as you would think. Not at all. Could have could have done a better, better death and Cenobite look for him, at least. And one of them is carrying a can of gasoline around with him? Yeah, like there's just so many, just like the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, best performance, Doug Bradley. Doug Bradley. Yeah. Doug Bradley. I mean, I do love Terry Farrell just because of the Deep Space Nine connection. But um, no, when you're on screen, when 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 you have somebody of the caliber of, of Doug Bradley, who's like a classically trained actor, as far as I know, mm-hmm. I mean. Who was only relegated to this role for his entire career, essentially. Like, I know he's done other B-grade horror films and stuff like that. But his only claim to fame, essentially, is Pinhead. What I find funny is that the guy that played JP, he kind of transitioned more to being a writer. But he's written mm-hmm. literally nothing I've, I've heard of before. So, no. checks no. out. Like, like I, the only, the only, uh, I, yeah, I... I'd say the only the only real actors that came out of this was Terry Farrell and um, Paula Marshall, who plays uh, Terry. She kind of made her debut in this one, mm-hmm. but then she became like sitcom wife type thing, like later in her career. Like she was in a show with um, Jay Moore called Gary Unmarried, which was like two seasons, and largely became a sitcom star. Right. Uh, best kill. There was some actually pretty decent kills in this. Um, do you have Zach any... Galligan gets killed by a pool cue oh. in the club scene. It's so quick, but yeah. Um, it's a very quick scene with Zach Galligan. Um, the CD one with the DJ is just so funny. Yeah. I mean, JP's so stupid. death doesn't really make sense for his character, but it's no! more <laughs> interesting looking kills at least. Yeah, that's fair. I was kind of like, mm, you could have done something more sexual 
Like, that would have been more interesting, yep. considering he was kind of, like, really into sex. But, I don't know. They kind of kept it a little little mm-hmm. dull, I guess. Yeah. Oh, shit. Paula Marshall was in Malignant. Oh. There we oh, go. Yeah. Great movie. Which we've covered on oh, this podcast. For sure. Absolutely. Malignant fucking rules. Yeah. We need another... That and Barbarian, where it's like, we just get some, like just out of nowhere horror movies end up being really good yeah Takes yeah by absolutely surprise. yep i would agree with that dumbest decision i mean sleeping with jp was pretty dumb i mean he clearly yeah. looks like a guy that's up to no good you should have just gone yeah away girl sorry yeah yeah exactly if I, like if i was a girl i go up to a bar and i see jp there i'm like actually my friends are calling me i gotta go like <laughs> sorry Eight. Sorry, not not my thing. All right. Um. Yeah. Do you have any dumb decisions? Uh, fucking everything JP does. Yeah. It's like fucking everything. Yeah, and I don't know what was up with his face, but it definitely looked like there were some prosthetics used on his face or something. Like there was just something that looked fake about his face, and I hate saying that because mm-hmm. like maybe that's actually how he looked, but. His face just looked so, I don't know, off. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was makeup or prosthetics or something. But Yeah, I don't know. It, it was that weird squared off thing that the, the, the camera really, like the pulpy camera stuff really loved in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But, all right. I think it's time to give this movie a score. What are you thinking score-wise? I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. Um, there are th- elements that are still entertaining on a surface level, but once you... This movie's just way too easy to pick apart. Oh, yeah. And um, But I still have to give it give it a, a like kind of boost across that 50% line just because it is one of the better Hellraiser movies, but it also shows how weak this series is. Oh, 100%. Like, honestly, you can check out after 2... And you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not even that big a deal to continue those movies. And it's just no. going to be diminishing returns. And, it, I mean, there is a sharp drop-off, too. No. No, I was thinking a 6-2. I mean, I was maybe thinking a 7, but honestly, a 7 seems a little too high. So Yeah, yeah, yeah I would agree. Even a 6.5 feels like I'm just giving it, I'm being a little generous by giving yeah. half a point. Like, out of pity, almost. Yeah, like, a 6 is good. Like, it, it's above watchable it's you know there was some level of entertainment but yeah this was not nearly as entertaining as i thought it would be so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah six six out of ten cool well steve where can people find you on the internet yeah i'm on uh twitter instagram letterboxd uh at the steeple dead uh, my website, stevestebbing.ca. I'm on The Shift every Thursdays with Shane Hewitt. Uh, that show is across Canada. It airs uh, 11 p.m. Pacific time, so uh, check your local Chorus Entertainment Radio listings on that one. Uh, and I'm also on After the Credits with uh, Marina, Bill, and Melissa. And uh, our episode out right now, our main movie we covered uh, was The Killer, which is the the most Fincher, David Fincher film I think he's ever made at this point. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm over at 3ingrednerds.com. I'm also on that hashtag show. I recently wrote an article for that hashtag show of unconventional 
uh, holiday movies, and there's a few, a good amount of uh, Christmas horror movies on that list. So you can check that one out. Uh, yeah, and then I'm on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. It's just Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter, <laughs> Film Critic Kurt. I'm on Letterboxd, Fatal Koala. Uh, and yeah, uh, go check out uh, Taylor as well. She's not here, but she's here in spirit. Cerceanic on Twitter and cerceanic.home.blog. So go check out her stuff there. And uh, yeah, until next time, everybody. Bye for now.